Um, but I, I wanted to just take some some moments here and, and just kind of ask the question. I know this is you know online and and I'm on a camera, but but I, I've just really enjoyed just being able to connect and 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 just uh, say hello and and make sure that we're okay and that we have pastors and and deacons here to serve you and help you. Um, I know there's been a lot of anxiety and panic and, and worry. There's been worry over having to school kids uh, coming up here quick. I know our family's going to be in the middle of that. Um, kids being cooped up. If you have small children, some of us who don't have children, or maybe we're, we live alone, just the isolation that comes with that and not being able to go to work and, and just have a sense of normalcy. So I, I just want us to be okay um, and patient with each other uh, just during this time, uh, knowing we're experiencing this all in different ways. Some of us are doing great. Some of us are really enjoying this time. Uh, some of us, this is awful. Um, and and I, I don't know if we have anyone uh, near to us that have been directly affected, but just as you look around in New York, as you look around in California um, and, and around the globe, we just see the, the rise of, of uh, coronavirus just going up and up and deaths going up and up. And so we just want to be safe and want to do the right things, uh, stay in as much as we, we can. Um, obviously, hygiene, um, and, and just take that seriously. Cause I know for some aren't taking it as seriously. We want to see this, this curve kind of go down so that we can get back to some normalcy. And so we don't know when that is. So we're going to continue to do kind of these weekly studies and Sunday gatherings and other touching points, because again, we don't, we're not sure when we're going to be able to kind of do things normally. Um, even if, you know, things get better, there's no guarantees that we'll have, be able to have big gatherings in the near future. So we're, we're going to keep, keep doing the best we can, if we can keep the the technology uh, work in here. And so I want to uh, just invite you into my screen, um, which just sounds so amazing. Um, and see if I can find my, my notes here. That's me down the corner. All right. Well, we're going to look at Philippians chapter four, just for a few moments here together. Um, and these slides are available as well. So um, if you're watching at home or whatever, however you're taking this in, you can, you can check those out later. So, um, you can look at those and let me go back here. So here's what Philippians uh, four says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right. So, Philippians 4. Now, Philippians 4 is an interesting text because it's written by the Apostle Paul, and it's what we call the, the prison letters. And so these groupings of letters uh, that he wrote actually from prison. So he's not with churches. He's actually writing these letters in a prison uh, cell, which gives it some some context because when, when you think about uh, Paul, um, you know, you wonder, okay, here's Paul writing about these things, these rejoice in the Lord. And uh, you know, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Um, and so you have this this church that is divided uh, over some teaching. Uh, there's persecution going on in the church. The, their leader is in jail. He's in prison. Um, you have all kinds of false gods being worshipped, and there's some anxiety that comes with that because you never know if you're doing uh, enough. You never know if you're you're worshiping uh, the right God. Um, and so there's just a severe anxiety. And, and Paul, at the end of Philippians 4, the small letter is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, uh, re rejoice. And, and it seems like that's just a, 
interesting thing to say when you're in prison, your church isn't going well, uh, you're being persecuted, uh, people are ang- anxious over coming out of these pagan religions and they're never sure, again, if they're doing enough, they, they feel like every corner they turn, something bad's going to happen to them. Um, and, and they're filled and riddled with anxiety. And yet Paul is saying, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I'll, I'll say it again for emphasis, rejoice. I want you to celebrate. I want you to be happy. And, and so, and the question becomes, well, how, how can he say the, these kinds of things? That, that just seems kind of naive, knowing the circumstances, knowing what's going on. And maybe you've had those, those moments, those reflexive moments where someone says, hey, you need to be happy. You need to be, be joyful. But, but the key here for, for Paul um, it, it is not just a happy, clappy um, rejoicing. It's to actually see that the... Sorry, my slides aren't working here. This is great. Um, that the, the secret to joy is, you know, what is the secret of, of, of when you have less than ideal um, circumstances? Is there something else going on deeper here? And, and it's simply this. It's rejoice in the Lord always. I will, again, I will say rejoice. So, so what Paul is saying is, I'm not rejoicing in the fact I'm in prison. I'm not rejoicing in the fact that this church, it's, it's being inundated with false teachers. And, and, and these Christians are coming out of these false religions and they're filled with anxiety and worry. I'm, I'm rejoicing and I'm able to rejoice in the Lord. The, the little phrase is, is the key here in, in these, these texts. It's in God himself. That there's joy, there's happiness, there's love to be found in God, ultimately in Christ and his work and his redemption in our, in our lives. And so we, we don't look at our circumstances and, and say, well, if I look at my circumstances, there's no way I can rejoice. I mean, we're walking through a pandemic right now. My, my kids aren't doing well. My, my, grand, my parents, my grandparents aren't doing well. The money has run out. Um, we have financial debt, we have struggle, we have depression, whatever it is. How can I look at things and, and, and rejoice? That just seems very naive based on the circumstances. But that's the point, is the rejoicing comes in the Lord, in the Lord, in God himself, because circumstances are irrelevant, that we can find joy in God, even when the external things are falling uh, apart. And later in, in Paul's uh, letter here, the same letter here, a few verses later, he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So so Paul is, is saying that there's a, a contentment that's available because he knows what it's been like to have a lot and have nothing. Uh, and maybe you've experienced that, that you, there's been times in your life that you feel like you've had abundance, but there's been times where you've had nothing. Things just seem to be, be falling apart at every, every turn. And yet he says, the secret of contentment is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through him who strengthens me, that it's, I can rejoice in the Lord always because it's in the Lord. It's not in my circumstances, which I think the the teaching here is so deep and so profound and it goes so against the ways of our world. It goes against American culture. It goes against most philosophies, most religions, because 
happiness and joy are, are often supposed to be found in our jobs, in our families, in our stuff, in our money. And yet when those things are ripped away, how are we supposed to find joy? Well, it's because they're temporary, they're tertiary. They're supposed to point to something greater, something bigger, that eternity is built in the hearts of men. And so so even when, when things are ripped away, we begin to ask those hard questions. Well, where does my joy come from? Where does my happiness come from if I lose everything? I, I was thinking about the, this text uh, recently because uh, about almost 20 years ago, which I, I can barely even imagine, I, I was about 21 years old. And a friend of mine asked me to go and preach uh, in a prison in Southern California. And, you know, as a 21 year old, just feeling just overwhelmed. I mean, it's kind of a middle maximum, not a maximum uh, uh, penitentiary, but a kind of middle of the road. And, and he says, Hey, I want you to go not only preach, but I want you to uh, lead some singing to, to about 50 to 60 prisoners. And, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to speak on? What am I going to talk about? And what I ended up doing was talking about Philippians 4 because I thought, well, Paul was in prison and these are a bunch of prisoners. So this will connect. This will be applicable. Um, and so here, here I come. I'm wearing my khakis. I'm wearing a golf shirt. It was a, uh, you had to wear certain clothes. You didn't want to wear red or black or something that would get you killed or shanked to the neck or whatever. Um, and so I go walking down the middle of a prison yard all these prisoners walking, watching me, I should say. And I got my little guitar case, my little 21-year-old youth pastor walking down the middle of a prison yard. And I, and I get into this place and I'm leading in the singing. I'm just sweating and I'm just nervous. And I'm just like, you know, what, what am I going to say? Getting ready for the sermon. And, and I preach this sermon. And, and I just remember, I, I saw this, it's a very vivid memory. It's just talking with these guys after the service and experiencing their joy. They had so much joy in their lives. And guy after guy, hey, in 10 years when I get out, 15 years when I get out, five years when I get out, this is what I want to do. I want to be used by the Lord. I want to do these things. And, and hey, God is gracious and kind and he's forgiven me and, and, and I'm looking forward to the future. And I'm going, these guys have nothing. And yet they found joy, deep-seated joy. That They have nothing going for them. They have no money. They have no family. They're isolated. How in the world are they going to have joy? I've seen this when I've when I used to do mission work in in, in Mexico. People that have nothing have this experience experience this deep seated joy. I, I've been to some of the poorest counties in America and served there, and and yet there's joy there because the the Apostle Paul's on to something here. Is he's he's essentially saying our inner attitudes don't have to match our outward circumstances. That that we can have a lot abundance, we can have nothing. It really doesn't matter. We can still have joy because I know people that have abundance that don't have joy. And I know people that have nothing and don't have joy. And so, so the reality is our inner attitudes don't have to match our outward circumstances. And that was the key for Paul's joy, the key for Paul's happiness, even when he was in prison, even when church life and his work wasn't going well. Even for us, as we look out and we see this pandemic spreading and we go, what is tomorrow going to hold? We can still find reason to celebrate and have joy because it's in the Lord, the God who is with us, the God who loved us, the God who redeemed us, the God who forgave us, the God who, who will never leave us uh, or forsake us. Now, as we rejoice in the Lord, it's interesting how Paul says what else will come out of that is he says, let your, in verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord 
uh, is at hand. Now, this is interesting because it's unfortunate this in the ESV, I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, is that reasonableness is just a terrible translation. I still don't know why they use that that word. Not that I'm a, I'm a Greek scholar, but I do know a little Greek. Is Actually, a better translation is gentleness or kindness, or even you could even use the word tolerance. Let your gentleness, let your kindness, let your tolerance be known to everyone. What, what is he saying? He's saying because of the fact that you've been commanded to rejoice in the Lord, and, and I'll say it again, rejoice, even though your circumstances are less than ideal, flowing through a joyful life that's rooted in Christ comes gentleness and kindness and tolerance towards other people. We can be patient and gracious and kind towards other people because our joy, our, our grounding joy is found in God, which creates a gentle and kind Person. Now we won't get into when not to be gentle or kind, and when we need to, you know, be a little more tough love or, or whatever. That's 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 not really the point here this morning. Is to say that th- these things flow together. Is that if you find someone who's really experiencing the joy of the Lord, that the joy of the Lord is their strength, as Nehemiah says, you will find a kind and patient and gentle person, because circumstances don't matter. Hey, maybe there's a lot of money in the bank. Maybe there's no money in the bank. Maybe body's healthy. Maybe body has cancer. Maybe the world is at peace or maybe we're in a pandemic. It doesn't matter. The, the gentleness comes through because their joy is found uh, in, in, in the Lord. And, and so when the grace of the gospel gets deep in our bones, joy as a result, but also gentleness and kindness and patience that we can walk with people that maybe are living in sin, heaven forbid. We can walk with people that maybe are panicking, freaking out over an a- epidemic. We can be gentle and kind and just meeting them in their pain, meeting them in, the, in their struggle rather than beating, beating them up. Uh, we, we can be tolerant of others that maybe don't think like us, act like us, maybe even worship the same God that we do because the joy of the Lord is our, our strength. And it's a ballast in our boat. It keeps us firm. It keeps us from bailing over the side. And so gentleness and kindness and, and, and just a tolerant, open posture towards other comes out of us because of the joy that's in our Lord and has nothing to do with our circumstances, that our inner attitudes don't have to match our outward circumstances. We can have joy even when there's nothing what seems uh, to be uh, joyful uh, around us. Now, Paul, which I love, I just have always loved this text because it's really, really practical and really, really helpful and and something we can use in our our lives every moment of the day and and, and daily, especially in this time of of uncertainty and troubling and anxiety and panic and fear, is that that Paul gives us some keys on how to actually pull this off, how to actually do this. So, so how do we get get this joy? And and, and that's a great great question. Is is I don't want to leave this kind of nebulous and theoretical. But, but there's, there are ways that we can actually get this joy into our life and get it more in our lives daily, constantly, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling panic, when we feel like there isn't joy in our lives. Well, what does Paul say to do? Well, here's what he says in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so he says, don't be anxious. Now remember the context. 
there's anxiety over these gods that they used to worship and wondering, you know, am I doing enough? Am I going to do the wrong thing? God's going to strike me down. You got anxiety over a church that's divided. There's false teaching coming in, trying to lead them astray. You have the leader, Paul, who's in prison. So, so there's all this anxiety, but he says, don't, do not be anxious about anything. But here's the key. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, so the first practice that, that we can, if we want to rejoice in the Lord, even when our circumstances are less than ideal, is our first practice is prayer. Constant prayer. Should have put constant in those slides, but prayer. Instead of anxiety and worry, I constantly give these over to God. But in prayer, here it is, God. Here's my anxiety. Here's my worry. Because anxiety and worry is usually rooted in, I think, in, in two things. It's one, it's just a it's a subtle lack of trust in God. And I don't, I don't want to say that you're not a believer if you have anxiety or worry. I'm not saying that at all. But what it, it reveals in our soul is that we just don't trust God. Because anxiety says, I can control it. I know the future. And that's actually the second thing is, is it's this kind of mythical vision of the future that I know how things are going to go. And all my family's going to get sick. Everyone's going to die. The world's going to end. I'm going to lose my job. And so we don't know that. All of those things are possible. Suffering is real. Suffering is part of the Christian life. Suffering is part of the human experience. But an overwhelming worry and anxiety is rooted in, I don't trust God. So what Paul is saying is instead of you trying to control your circumstance, you trying to uh, create new emotions or new feelings in you and, and less worry and less panic, take those worries, take those panic, uh, uh, take that panic and offer it to God in prayer. Here it is, God. I cast my burdens on you. I cast my anxieties on you. I cast my, and this is a great time to be honest with God. God can handle it. Have you read the Psalms? <laughs> He can, he can handle your anxieties and your worries. So we turn that into prayer. Here it is. Here it is. I, I can't hold this. I can't do this. And, and you're not called to do this. You're not God. God is sovereign and good and with us. And he is not surprised by anything that's going on in your life. He's not surprised by anything that's going on in the world. And so we, we take anxiety and worry and we turn it into prayers. Here it is. This might be a moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day practice for us. Just when you feel that sense of anxiety and worry, here it is. God, I can't hold it. I can't take it. Here it is. I'm finding myself doing this more and more. Here it is. I can't leave my church in a pandemic. I can't leave my family in a pandemic. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I shouldn't watch the news. Here it is. So there's a practice of prayer that fights anxiety, which builds into us joy in the Lord. Here it is. I can be joyful in you, God. I know you're in control. I know you're you're good. Another practice. Well, let me uh, let me just skip over this 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 text. But another practice is what I call intentional gratitude. Intentional gratitude, because it, I don't know if you noticed in in the text, uh, Paul says that we are to be thankful. He says, "Do not be prayer. Uh, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving." Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in thanksgiving. Or I should say, in Christ Jesus. So with thanksgiving, we give these prayers. With gratitude, we give these prayers. And, and I think these go together. Now, sometimes you say, well, I just don't feel 
thankful today. I, I look at my circumstances, I just don't feel, where's the thanksgiving? Paul is saying the ultimate good, the ultimate thanksgiving, the ultimate gratitude is found in the Lord. So instead of being anxious, instead of being worried and, 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 and being overwhelmed by those things, what are the good, what are the things I can give thanks to God for? Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. In my life. Thank you for your sustaining grace that keeps me upward every day. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for my family. Thank you that in this moment we are healthy. Thank you there is a few bucks in the, in the bank account. There's gratitude that always goes with prayer. But I think it has to be an intentional gratitude, even if we're not feeling it. What, what are ways in, in which we can be intentional about uh, just gratitude uh, in, in our lives? You know, what, 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 what can we focus our anxious hearts on? How can we be in, intentionally grateful to God? I, I would say one is, is what we do in the evenings around the table with our family and our family worship time is we just have everyone say, hey, tell us what you're grateful for today. Because I, I know you and I know me, if I'm not just naturally going, yeah, let me tell you everything I'm grateful for today. I, I need some help. I need some some push. <laughs> I need some encouragement, right? So you could go around and just share every day with your family, with your loved one, with your friends, with, with your neighbors, whatever. I know we're social distancing, so however that might look. How can I be grateful? How can I share my, my Thanksgiving? Keep a journal. Write it down daily. Just Here's three things I'm thankful for. I've been doing that too. There, there's a, a great Christian practice called the examine. And, and you, at the beginning of the day, the end of the day, you just write down things you're, you're thankful for. Because I know if you don't do that, guess what's happened? You'll be cynical and you'll complain and you'll be overwhelmed with fear and panic and dread. <laughs> but look at all these good things. Look at, look, I've been able to shoot hoops with my kids and, and show them my old man skills. I mean, how great is that? That I still got a little game left. I mean, that's been the highlight of this whole pandemic. Just showing my 12-year-old son that I can still take him into the post and just box him out and, and you know, I can't dunk on him. But, but there's all these good things, extra time with family, extra time with my wife, just a slower pace. They're all good gifts. What are things I'm thankful for? What, how can I just thank God for being God and being gracious and being kind? And then when you pray, I think you can be intentional with gratitude. It's beginning your prayer with thanksgiving. What are things I can thank God for? Thank God for being God, his presence, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his power. So, so gratitude is another intentional gratitude is a practice. So we have our prayer to just continually give that over to God and anxiety, fear, worry. It's woven, it's wrapped in thanksgiving. What are ways I can be intentionally gratitude? And it's amazing how our anxiety and fear can kind of be shed off of us. When we have this posture of prayer throughout the day and we have this posture of gratitude throughout the day. And that doesn't mean every moment is happy, clappy, and I'm so grateful for this and that. There are moments where we're in the pits, but we have to bring those things back to God. Bring that gratitude back to God. Now, there's one more uh, practice, which is interesting, is what I'll just call intentional thinking. So we got intentional gratitude, but we also have intentional thinking. And this comes from Later in the text, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And this really is about garbage in and garbage out. What am I filling my mind with? 
because the mind is connected to the heart and the soul and which is connected to fear and worry and panic. And so Paul's um, exhortation and encouragement here is to say, what can I fill my mind with? Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. Let me think on those things. Now, again, this is very vague. I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a lot of good in creation. There's a lot of good in God. How can I change my mind to think about those things, the good things, the, the good gifts that God has given us. Now, I would say for, for, for me is just watch your, your media consumption. Because media is, again, it can create panic in us that doesn't need to be created in us. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we're, we're naive or we don't read things or, or watch things. I, I, I try to stay up, updated on things that are going on. But there's also, you have to realize in media, not everything is objective and not everything is pure. There's panic, there's money involved, there's all kinds of things. So I don't know if those are those places are, are what are pure and noble in God's creation. We know in, in politics, things can be corrupt. We know in institutions, things can be corrupt. And, and so it's focusing our minds and hearts on what is good, what is pure and what is true and what is right and good. God and his kingdom and the things of God, a good meal, a conversation with your loved ones games with your kids, whatever the thing is, it's, it's shifting our minds, not to the things that are broken and dark, but the things that are good. It's a very proactive text. Now, what's interesting about Paul here is that he says, where does this peace ultimately come from? He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So he says, there's a practice to these things and the God of peace will be with you. So he says, as you rejoice in the Lord, a kindness, a gentleness will come into your life. As you feel anxiety and worry, offer those, turn those worries and anxieties into prayers with thanksgiving and gratitude. And as you focus your mind intentionally on things that are good and right and true and beautiful, that are praiseworthy, a peace will come that will guard your heart and your mind. And it's the God of peace that will give it to you. That only God can give us that peace. Because remember, our circumstances are temporary. They're tertiary. Paul says in Romans that these momentary sufferings are just a blink in human history. But redemption and glory and eternity and God's kingdom and God's rule and God's reign and the new heavens and earth is forever. So, so he looked at his, his life and, and he realized that, that even these momentary pains and struggles are nothing compared to what we'll experience for the rest of eternity when God redeems and restores all things. Where there is no more tears, there is no more uh, pain, there is no more death, there is no more pandemics. But in the meantime, we can experience God's peace regardless of what our circumstances are because he is the God of all peace and that's what he wants to give us supernaturally into our life. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is, is peace. He <laughs> says, I want to give you my presence, my peace. It doesn't mean that your life is even great right now, but you can still have a peace. You can still have a joy in the Lord. And we have to practice these things. We have to practice prayer and gratitude and intentional thinking on what is pure and holy and right and good and excellent. That doesn't just happen naturally. We think that somehow this, our panic and dread is going to go away. But it's taking that panic, turning it into prayer to experience the joy of the Lord. I love Philippians 4. It's such an encouragement. And so I just want to ask you just a question if you are on here live. is that How can we pray for each other? How can we encourage each other? Um, 
maybe even if, if you're on here and you, you just want to share something you're thankful for, um, I, I love to, to hear those. Um, I, I love to um, pray for you any way I can pray for you. Um, there's things you just want to celebrate and just say, hey, I just want to thank God for this. Um, I think it's a good practice to get in, in the habit uh, of. Um, and obviously, if you're not on here, you, you're just hearing this recorded. Um, you know, definitely want to keep you uh, in, the, in the prayer loop and, and make sure that we are praying for each other and um, keeping each other lifted up in, in every way uh, possible. And um, making sure that that if there are things going on in your lives uh, and and things that um, you know you're struggling with, things that you just feel overwhelmed with, or maybe you have neighbors or friends that need help, and or maybe they're just feeling overwhelmed. Uh, we're here. Our, our pastors and our deacons are here to to pray with you and and encourage you. And so, want to just just leave that open for you that that it's not ideal that we're always on screens and, and and having to do it this way but this is also the common grace and the gift of technology is that we can still connect uh together and, and still do that together and so um so if you if you have any prayer requests um please shoot those in here and uh, i will see if i see any here um sorry again apologize for the, the technology here um but uh let me see if I got any prayer requests here. Do, do, do. And I apologize for the, the technology here. Um, but uh, I'm right. just waiting for my, let me see if I got any Yo prayer code. requests here. Do, do, do. And I apologize for the, the technology here. Um, but uh, right. just waiting for my, let me see if I got any Yo prayer requests here. And I apologize for the technology here. But uh Waiting for my. Let me see if I got any uh, prayer requests here. Apologize for Apologize for the technology here. Um, but uh, just waiting for my. Let me see if I got any uh, prayer requests here. Apologize for Apologize for the technology here. Um, but uh, just waiting for my. Let me see if I got any prayer requests here. Apologize for the technology here. Um, oh, but uh, uh, wisdom and kindness toward my husband. Yeah, um, I think that's a great one. Um, you know, we're, we're locked in this thing together, uh, obviously. And uh, what, uh, when you're in close quarters, I actually heard someone talking about that recently. Uh, it's just you know, uh, wisdom and kindness toward uh, my husband. Certain like, people, uh, like, that's a great <laughs> challenge. Uh, and when you're, you know, we're stressed and locked in this thing together, obviously, when you're in close quarters, I actually pray for that. But if there's any other prayer questions, wisdom and kindness toward my husband. Certain people, that's a great challenge. And when you're, you know, we're stressed and locked in this thing together, obviously, when you're in close quarters, I actually pray for that. But sometimes any other prayer questions. It's a great challenge. We're addressing the 
Experiment here this morning, so I know we are on YouTube as well. I don't know how that went. And all these things are always recorded, so you can look at them later. And all these things are always recorded, so you can look at them later. So, as I said, it's Sundays. We have our so, as I said, it's Sundays. We have our and all these things are always replaced throughout the week. So, as I said, it's Sundays. We have our and all these things are always replaced throughout the week. So, as I said, it's Sundays. We have our and all these things are always replaced throughout the week. So, as I said, it's Sundays. We have our own. Thank <laughs> you.